Okay. Today, my guest is Professor Desislia Vadikova. I will keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Desislava as a person. Professor Dikova is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Dikova is the editor-in-chief of the Journal of East-West Business. She serves on the boards of or at various editorial positions in Journal of International Business Studies, uh, International uh, Business Review, Thunderbird International Business Review, Organization Studies, Journal of Management Studies, and others. She received the Woman in AIB, the WAIB Emerald Award, for a highly commended paper in 2009. She was nominated for the AIB Best Paper Award, and she was the AOM's International Management Division Best Paper finalist in 2006 and 2008. Uh, her research focuses on competitive behavior of firms with respect to types of innovation investments and their cross-border M&A activities. Thank you, Tessislava, for joining us. My pleasure. Perfect. Uh, so the first question always is, what did you want to become when you were a child? I wanted to be a basketball player. I was yeah. really in love with the game. I started playing when I was 12 and I was really dedicated. I was considering a career in sports. I wanted to be a professional athlete. Of course, I grew up in Bulgaria when that wouldn't have been the right choice. And I have to say my parents were not very thrilled uh, with my ambition to become an athlete, a professional athlete. They thought that I should pick a more intellectual um, direction for development. So I still love the game. I did not become a professional basketball player. <laughs> so uh, how did you choose uh, academia and how did you choose IB in particular? Well, I made that decision while I was working for the European Commission. After my master's degree, in uh, international relations, international and European relations in, in Amsterdam, University of Amsterdam. I applied for an internship with European Commission. I was uh, working for DG regional uh, development for about half a year. And there I was exposed to the power of pan-European institutions in determining how money is invested, how European money is invested in large infrastructure projects. And seeing how that part works, the part that institutions play in massive uh, institutional investments, let's say, um, you know, massive government and regional government investments in large projects. I wanted to find out the side of individual business. How does business manage institutional uh, burdens or institutional constraints? And what role institutions, national and uh, European and uh, international, played in directing business behavior? or constraining business behavior. So I would say that interest 
was born in Brussels during this internship with the European Commission. Do you ever think about uh, what would happen if you stayed with the EU and not went into academia? Did, did you ever think about what, what was the alternative? No, because I really recognized that this is not the career I wanted to pursue. This was very instrumental. That period that I spent in Brussels was very instrumental. I recognized that this is not what I wanted to do. I wanted a little more freedom to take my intellectual, um, let's say, ambition and drive and talent okay. in the direction I wanted. Uh, um, something that is not on your CV, some, something that the audience will find interesting about you. I think what's not on my CV is my love for sports. <laughs> I'm a fanatic sports person. I engage in a lot of sports activities and this is what keeps me balanced. Hmm. We do a lot of our work in a static manner. We, we sit down, we type on our keyboards and in order to stay healthy and productive, I do a lot of sports. Uh, I bike long distance. I like to row. I run. I um, do CrossFit. I do a lot of um, activities that actually make me very happy. Perfect. Um, regrets, have you got any? Sorry? Regrets? Have you got any regrets? Regrets? Um, I, I wish I visited more universities as a fellow. I didn't get the chance to do so because I was a single parent raising a child on my own in foreign countries. So I wish I could have done that more than what I was able to. Other than sports, what are you passionate about? I didn't hear that the connection was wrong. Uh, other than sports, what are you passionate about? What I'm passionate about, what I'm really passionate about is giving back. Giving back to our academic community for the time being. Um, I was incredibly lucky to be supported during my uh, PhD uh, years. Um, I had the best supervisor. I had the possibility to attend conferences where I could meet colleagues who were willing to read my work and support my research. And so for me, what I'm really passionate about is giving back. And I think this is the reason why I'm involved with so many journals. Uh, I'm on uh, numerous editorial boards. I'm, I'm associate editor in, with two journals, apart from a you know, journal of East-West Business where I'm editor-in-chief. So I do a lot of this work simply because I really believe in giving back in serving the community in this fashion and supporting authors who want to be given a chance to see their work published and to help them get the best result. And who was your advisor? Adam von Wittelstein was my PhD supervisor. I, I owe him a lot. I learned so much under his supervision. Um, and this is what I always wanted to, to do for my PhD students to be the best supervisor I can be, just the way I had the best supervisor in my PhD years. Perfect. Now, uh, let's switch to research uh, segment. 
Uh, I always ask this uh, question about, uh, you know, person stranded in a small village, the car breaks down, you're, you know, the, you're among locals and they are curious about you. But the idea is, uh, how do you explain your research to people who don't read your, uh, your, your material uh, regularly? And how do you explain why your research is important? Well, I can only explain it by asking people to imagine how would they approach the decision-making process if they would be in charge of a company, either in the service industry or any manufacturing industry, if they are in charge of that company and they decide to internationalize, to move their business across national borders and grow uh, their company this way, how would they decide where to go, how to establish their presence, whether they would start from scratch or whether they would acquire a company, how would they organize themselves once they have more than one location? And so the decisions that a manager takes you know, internationalizing are critical. And that is why this type of research is important. And I think everybody can associate with these questions. How do I grow my business if I want to become present in other locations than my home market? Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some of the omitted variables in IB research or some of the understudied areas in IB? I think what is becoming a little more prominent in the past few years is the micro foundations of international business. I think traditionally we have looked at firms, at organizations as these uh, entities that take logical decisions. Um, and we tend to ignore the fact that behind all these organizations are human beings who will be driven sometimes by emotions, um, sometimes by gut feeling, uh, sometimes will not take logical decisions. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is research focused on uh, managers and top management team, you know, utilizing operational theory, etc. But the micro foundations of international business is yet to become more prominent uh, and take a more central stage. And why I think this is important is because understanding the mechanism of an individual decision making, rather than considering it being taken at a company level. Um, is, is important. And I think this is one of the omitted variables, which makes research difficult because multi-level research uh, is difficult. But yes, that I would say micro foundational uh, variables. I mean, if you uh, meet a PhD student and he or she is looking for a great topic, uh, what's one question that you would say, oh, why don't you think about this question and spend your next four, four years on it? What would be a question like that? That would be very difficult. I mean, I would not push them into any direction, but I think what is responsibility of every individual on the planet is 
sustainability. I think there is no more possibility to postpone the importance of sustainable development if we want to have a planet for our children. So I would say integrating the SDG goals into research could be meaningful um, and not so much what these SDG goals mean for which industry and which organization, but what is the impact on society? Are we really embracing the SDG goals as we should in the sense of, are we really having with our actions impact on society? So I would say sustainability would be of critical importance in the near future. Beautiful, thank you. And um, I mean, you're in the middle of Europe. I, I, I'm asking this question about uh, what people think is going to be in the next four, uh, five to 10 years in, uh, on the IB agenda about nationalism versus globalization. And some people are uh, weighing heavy on globalization is going to come back again. Uh, nationalism is going to be forgotten. And some people are on just the opposite. They are saying, well, it's actually going to be more nationalism and populism. Uh, what do you say? Well, what's your take on it? I mean, it's a continuum, isn't it? Um, and the moment we push too much into one direction, the pendulum swings back into the other. Um, and I think we will be constantly between these two extremes, nationalism versus uh, global, globalization and, and global economy and, and more integration. I, I think balanced approach is key maybe because extremes are never good. Um, and with the current global pandemic, maybe there is a little push back towards more nationalism, but I don't think that's the future because the world has benefited from openness, from integration, from uh, trade liberalization, and I cannot imagine going back centuries in time uh, and having nationalist uh, and populist rules and um, mentality being in in you know in the focus of, of human development it just is infathomable for me okay. uh, about uh, the evolution of IB scholarship uh, what can you say about um, how it was in the past and how is it evolving or what is it evolving into now? I mean, I, I probably should have a little more tenure to, to, <laughs> to have such an overview of what was it in the past and how I see it in the future. I think the future is more cross-disciplinary research. Um, I think reaching out to other domains um, and thinking outside the box would be the future of IB. IB is cross-disciplinary by default. Um, and so I, I see this as a natural uh, future development. Mm. And uh, what is one research area in IB that is overly studied and no longer fruitful in your opinion? 
for my research, the way I, with the, the research I started with entry mode, <laughs> this is no longer exciting for anyone. So there are a few fields like entry modes that are no longer excited, exciting to do research because we know so much about it. Um, so this is just something that, that comes to my mind simply because it's, it's one of my uh, fields. Um, but I'm sure there are others that have received so much attention that there is not much we can add. Uh, unless we really approach it completely differently. For example, entry mode research have not seen much micro foundation approach to it. So maybe there is a possibility to, uh, you know, contribution this way. Leslava, uh, let's uh, switch to advice and mentoring. Uh, what is one thing or a few things that you wish you would have known uh, when you were starting out? It would save you time. It would save you a lot of uh, pain and agony. Uh, what is uh, something that you wish you would have known? I, I really received the best guidance I could. So I knew everything I should know. <laughs> I consider myself very successful in academia simply because I really had the best start, thanks to, to Aryan. Um, so there is nothing I wish I knew. I, I think I knew all I needed to know and then I, and I was guided in the best possible way. Perfect. Um, well, what was the best advice you received then? The best advice I received was building my network, going to conferences, talking to people, sharing my ideas and trying to collaborate on numerous projects. So I think the value of network is one of the best um, assets that I have, one of the best advices. And, you know, later on, I discovered that this is one of the best assets one can have. I mean, you're seeing many PhD students in conferences. What are some of the common mistakes that you see uh, young scholars or uh, patients make things to avoid, things to do, th things not to do? I mean, most PhD students are, are focused on the right things. How do I get my next job, right? Academia is not an easy career. Um, and I think being focused on publications and meaningful contribution um, would be the best uh, advice I would give. I, I, I cannot say I've seen mistakes in PhD students. I've seen talented students at every conference with brilliant ideas and great execution on these ideas. Um, so I, I'm quite hopeful. Um, I think there is a lot of talent um, and, I'm, and I'm happy to see that at every AIB conference. And are you enjoying these online conferences now? To be honest, not so much. I, I miss the in-person interaction. This is for me just the temporary solution mm. because we have to keep um, meeting somehow. But I look forward to the time when I will be in one room with my colleagues um, and can talk to them in person. That nothing can replace that. I do not believe in virtual reality. To me, this is really just temporary solution. <laughs> okay. 
Um, what is one question I should have asked you but haven't? The one question about, can you repeat the question one more time? What is one question I should have asked you but haven't? Oh, me, okay. I don't know, maybe, does academia make me happy? You know, I think happiness is important. If we're not happy, we won't be able to be productive or creative. So I think a question about happiness would be important. Okay, let's and, talk about happiness. How do you define it? How do you get, attain it? Happiness to me is the willingness to get out of bed and get on with your day with a smile. Happiness is, you know, going to bed and feeling satisfied. Um, and um, really convinced that the day was not wasted. Um, that it's not a mundane activity what that day um, produced. And I think academia can make many people happy. It did make me happy. I had other jobs before academia. I did not go into academia right after my uh, uh, master's degree and then PhD. Uh, to me, it was really a conscious choice. So yes, academia made me happy. What was the, what was the worst job you had? The worst job? Mm. You know, I, I, I regret not having some jobs. I, I think all my jobs were great. They taught me a great deal about myself and the world around me. Um, so none of my jobs were bad. I, I had a job um, as an assistant um, during my uh, early years before university, right after high school, I was an assistant in an exporting company. That was great. I learned a lot. Um, I worked at the Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry in Bulgaria. Um, I learned a lot because I was a part of a special program created for the negotiation period of uh, in, before joining European Union. So I learned so much in, in all my jobs. What I regret not having as a job is a waitress. I always wanted to be a waitress <laughs> okay. and I never had the chance. And this is my only regret, but I never got the chance to be a waitress. I think this is a perfect way to learn about human nature and you know, you know what it means to satisfy basic needs, hunger and you know, bringing food to someone who needs that you know, nutrient and, and behaving differently uh, and, and interacting with individuals. I would have loved to experience that. Well, it's, if you do an embedded design, uh, maybe do some <laughs> on-site uh, data collection. Of course, why not? Uh, well, we have to wait for the pandemic to be over, but uh, Desleva, thank you so much for your time uh, for this uh, very interesting interview. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.